Thanks for joining us for this Field Talk podcast from the Linder Farm Network. I'm your host, Dan Lemke. Minnesota farmers are playing a prominent role in leading the nation's pork industry. With issues like difficult economics, fallout from Proposition 12, labor and trade weighing on pork producers, at the recent World Pork Expo, we talked with past National Pork Producers Council President and Pipestone Farmer Terry Walters and NPPC President-elect Lori Stevemer from Easton about the current challenges. We also talked with Easton Farmer and National Pork Board member Dale Stevemer about efforts to increase pork demand. Terry Walters, past president of the National Pork Producers Council, joining me here. Terry, and a lot of folks down here in Des Moines with the World Pork Expo, a lot of issues being talked about. What are some of the things that you're hearing most from folks and some of the things that are occupying, I guess, a lot of your conversations? Yeah, so, you know, definitely a very tough time in the industry right now on the economic side. So there's a lot of concern with producers and uh, their livelihoods. Uh, Input costs are all-time highs. Um, um, And then just our product is not, it's not moving right now. And so we've got a backup of product. So all of those things really kind of escalate to a lot of concern on the producer front at home. And uh, and then all of that just gets added pressure when we get these extreme uh, activist groups that want to change the regulations of uh, how we do our business and uh, seem to know more about our business than we do. But uh, those would be top of mind for a lot of producers. But uh, moving product, keeping trade channels open, market access, all those things are uh, linked back to uh, helping that economic situation. No, I understand that has been one bright spot as uh, some of the export numbers have been pretty favorable. Is that something upon which you hope you can build? Absolutely. You know, we've uh, got great trading partners. Uh, any of the countries that we have free trading agreements with, we have uh, tremendous success in product movement. Um, we're up about 30% or a little over 30% into Mexico for quarter one. Certainly encouraging. Uh, there's no uh, question uh, in any normal type of economic situation, we're one of, the, one of, if not the least cost producer in the globe. So uh, we do feel like we can be very competitive in normal circumstances. Uh, we just need to raise a good corn crop this year and take some of the pressure. And so we're all like pulling for uh, that to happen. Uh, it's early in the season yet, but... Uh, it, uh, it's off to a bit of a rocky start. So uh, we're all hopeful that we can do that, though. Now, another issue that you guys talk about frequently is animal health. And, and uh, with uh, ASF on the, uh, the hemisphere now, I guess, where does that uh, play into some of the priorities uh, for the uh, organization? Yeah, so we're uh, obviously working uh, very diligently uh, with the uh, administration and uh, the uh, government offices, uh, farm bills on the horizon. And uh, the farm bill, really our piece of action in the farm bill is about maintaining our diagnostic labs, um, our foreign, uh, our FMD uh, vaccine bank. So when everybody's fighting for dollars and we're all uh, fairly confident that if uh, you're, if somebody's going to get more then somebody's going to get less. And so Really, we're not pushing hard for something new. We're trying to just maintain what we've had historically. But in the light of uh, animal health, it's very important that we have our diagnostic labs and the ability to maintain testing uh, and uh, preventative action within uh, guarding the shores for a foreign animal disease. And so to your point, it's as close as it's ever been. We've got a lot of focus on uh, preventing ASF uh, but at the same time, we're working with the government to work on prevention, but also preparedness in the event it would um, 
hit the shores. And uh, last summer I was able to go to the Philippines, launch a, pro, uh, a program with the University of Minnesota to um, do testing and training in the Philippines. They've lost 60% of their uh, industry due to ASF. But uh, hopefully we can learn from that process by working with them and do added testing and learn testing, work on vaccine programs, things that will ultimately benefit our producers and industry long term. But it's top of mind. And uh, the other key point around that is uh, maintaining our trade and our uh, foreign markets open. Because in the event we would get ASF in the in the country, uh, we will be shut down from trade overnight. And so uh, I certainly want to encourage producers. Uh, we've worked hard here in the last uh, six months to a year to develop a traceability program that our trading partners are really requesting. And so it's going to be paramount for us to open our doors back up for trade that we are able to trace as to where product comes from and uh, show that it's safe. And so uh, I really want to encourage producers to uh, provide feedback. There's a draft version of that traceability program that's going to come out. I want to be proactive in that program and then we'll carry it to the USDA and uh, help them, uh, hopefully get them to approve it. But ultimately, I'd rather be part of the solution rather than the government tell me this is the way it's got to be now that it's here. So uh, that's really a a main focus for us uh, relative to uh, foreign animal disease and, and animal health. And then we see, you know, uh, employment numbers are relatively low across the country and especially in the agriculture sector. What kind of uh, labor uh, related issues are, are you facing? Yeah, so rural America, you know, we just struggled to have a labor force. We've worked hard to locate farms away from uh, population centers, which then ultimately we locate away from uh, labor and workforce. But we have uh, very good paying jobs. We have um, good benefits in, in farms and uh we struggle with uh, area, local areas, so we uh, use uh, foreign-born workers in many cases. Uh, challenges with the H-2A visa program is that they were uh, limited on the numbers, but uh, they also can only be here for less than a year. And uh, we do all the training, get them up to speed, and then they have to go home. And so that's a challenge. Uh, we're certainly trying to encourage Congress to expand the numbers, but also to increase the timeline that they can be here. Uh, the TN Worker Visa Program is a great program. Uh, we recruit a TN Visa Worker. That's great. Then we uh, their spouse comes along with them, but their spouse is not eligible to work. And so uh, there's a couple hurdles in those uh, visa re- uh, programs. That's why we're encouraging reform to the visa uh, uh, program because I don't want it mixed up with immigration. And that's often the case of what uh, those two things get tangled up. Lori Stevermer, president-elect of the National Pork Producers Council, uh, joining me here on the Lindy Farm Network. And uh, Lori, you have the Pork Expo, a, a lot of things being discussed, and, and you're kind of in the thick of it, especially as you're uh, you know, approaching the, the new role here within the, within the year. Yeah, definitely. Uh, president-elect, and we'll take over as president in March uh, 2024. But yeah, just in the thick of it. I mean, a lot of good conversations here uh, out on the fairgrounds the last day or two. So it's good to have everybody here. No, obviously, we can just touch on this a little bit. We've kind of pounded it into the ground. Prop 12, obviously, is something that uh, was a disappointing ruling, and it's having an, an impact, certainly, on the industry. But I guess, what's the process now? What do you know about uh, how, to, how to go forward? Because there still seems to be, you know, lacking clarity in many areas. 
Yeah, and that's the biggest challenge right now in the short term is that lack of clarity. So one area that we will focus on is helping in that smooth transition. So trying to understand pork that's on the shelves right now, uh, come July 1st, can that stay there? We certainly hope it wouldn't be taken off. I know the CDFA is having some webinars later this month that will help hopefully give some answers to our producers in the short term. So short term, help with that transition. Long term, uh, obviously, you know, don't want to see this type of patchwork of regulations across other states. So we'll be taking a look at whether that's some federal legislation or what we need to do to help um, avoid all this chaos in in other states. Now, obviously, right now, the economics of the hog industry are, are not as favorable as, as one would like to uh, see them. But trade seems to be a bright spot. Talk about that, if you would. Yeah, trade has been a bright spot for us. Um, up a little bit this year. Um, you know, in 2022, we did about $7.6 billion. So, like I said, the first three, four months of 2023 were up. Uh, it, you know, it's important. About 26% of our pork is exported. That adds about $61 um, worth of value to that pig. So, want to continue to focus on maintaining the markets that we have and then also expanding into new markets. We've also heard with uh, African swine fever on the hemisphere, uh, animal health is certainly something that you folks are uh, very deeply involved with. What's uh, some of the things that are, uh, I guess, front of mind and some of the actions that are being taken both in in keeping uh, things away and being prepared in case something were to happen here on uh, U.S. soil? Yeah, I would say a couple different things. First of all, in terms of the farm bill, we are asking for some funding. Uh, We call it the three-legged stool, basically funding for our national lab network. So those are the labs that do the testing, uh, both uh, for monitoring, and then we need that capacity should something happen. I want to continue to have our vaccine bank funded and and restocked for any type of uh, foreign animal disease. And then the the veterinary stockpile, so making sure that uh, we have those supplies on hand uh, should there be some type of uh, outbreak. That's in the farm bill. I think, you know, we continue to have discussions with our producers on prevention and preparedness. Uh, A little more discussion now on traceability and how do we put some type of a traceability program in place so that we can see where animals move, whether it's from sows to nurseries, nurseries to finishers, finishers to to market, or even how our cull sows uh, move to, to market. That's one thing that's being asked of us by our trading partners. Should we get a foreign animal disease, are we able to know did this pork come from an area that, that had ASF or did it not have ASF? And so, which is also key, you know, think of ASF if it gets into a wild boar herd down in Texas. Certainly those of us in Minnesota and our pork, we want to be able to say, hey, we can trace it. We can tell it wasn't anywhere near. This pork can be exported. So those are the type of conversations we're having now around ASF. In labor force, uh, I'm, I'm guessing that's a challenge everywhere. I mean, we're seeing low unemployment numbers in general, and it's a particular issue for agriculture. What types of things are, are being addressed or are you looking forward there? Yeah, it is a, a challenge. I mean, you alluded to the low unemployment rate, and, and certainly in the rural areas it's even lower, and we just don't have that net, that those people to, to even draw from. So. Even though it's something we've talked about for a long time, it's something we continue to bring forward when we do those visits out on the hill or in our states. Uh, We need to have uh, some changes to the H-2A program so that we continue to have that be a year-round program and not just a a 
temporary program, really trying to be able to get more workers there on a, on a long-term permanent year-round basis. So with all the responsibilities and, and uh, you know, your husband Dale obviously involved in the industry too, do you actually get to, you know, go home and farm and enjoy uh, some of the great things about uh, farming in southern Minnesota? We do, and, you know, we're, we're probably a little unique that both of us are in a national board, but uh, either that or we need hobbies, I, I say. But I think certainly being involved with the pork industry is a, is a hobby and a, and a blessing and an honor. You know, I do get a chance to, to unwind back at home on the farm and, you know, whether it's just, you know, helping out a little bit around the farm, uh, doing some landscaping or just going biking or, or just sitting around the fire pit. Uh, and I think that's important really for anybody, right? I mean, all of us, you know, especially as producers now, we're finding extra pressures with all the things that we just talked about. Um, and, and so how do you find that little bit of time just to take that mental break? as a farmer, as a, as a business person, just to, to kind of rejuvenate so that you can handle those challenges again another day. And, and I appreciate you touching on that. Obviously, farmers are resilient. You're uh, optimistic by nature. Otherwise, you probably wouldn't be doing that. But, you you know, a little self-care is, should not be overlooked. You know, absolutely. And, and although not necessarily an NPPC topic, I know that Minnesota Pork uh, is contributing to some funding in the state of Minnesota for some some uh, mental health facilities and, and support programs. And, and yeah, I think we've often not talked about that. We've talked about the, the strong farm attitude, and that's definitely important. We're resilient, but we are humans. And so um, checking in with each other, having that support network, or, or doing whatever we need to do just to relieve that pressure once in a while is very important. Dale Stevemer with the National Pork Board joining me here on the Linder Farm Network. And Dale here at the World Pork Expo, always a, an exciting time, a busy time, a lot going on at this show. Yes, uh, we've had pretty decent attendance. And, um, it, you know, the people, people seem to be in decent spirits in, in spite of the, their personal economic situations. So let's talk about some of the things that the Pork Board is working on. And you mentioned the economics, you, uh, a push for uh, creating and, and uh, enhancing demand. Talk about that, if you would. We're we're doing a number of um, things to to, and some of this is a long term build, but but it will have short term benefits too. So among the things we're doing are is a multicultural um, immersion, uh, really concentrating on the Hispanic and African American markets, especially in the east and west coast, targeting some of the areas in California, um, Florida, and and New York, just be, because we have seen that if we if we target target them that the pork is one of the meats that they would like to use yet they're concerned about some of the the health benefits and and especially some of the younger newer consumers are are not sure how to handle and do things with pork so we're showing them various options that we can do and you said you're working on you know the nutrition aspect of uh, getting that information out there how important is that uh nutrition is a really big one and that spending enough time with with um the, the VP that is doing that, she, she has pointed out that um, potato board has gotten to the point where potatoes actually are considered a, a source of protein, even even recognize that more greatly than what pork is now. It, it, it is amazing because pork is protein. And and we had have done a lot of good work on nutrition and what's available in, in pork and how it can help people, but we're putting a real strong concentration on that because we're seeing we see the need to do that and and to keep pork as a, as an important part of the diet for both development of, of children and then 
um, one of the things we're seeing is benefit later in life of cognitive ability. And you had mentioned, uh, obviously, you know, economics a little challenge right now, but good news, uh, exports have been strong. Touch on that, if you would. Yes. Uh, last year, our ex- in 2022, our exports were down from where they had been. Um, people think of it as a downer, but it was our third best year ever for both value and volume. Uh, this year, we're looking at right now, um, predictions are pretty close to an 8% overall increase, which will put us at the top of, of, of the value, both value and volume again. Um, our highlights, once again, are, are, are Japan um, and Mexico are still leading, the, leading our both value and volume. They're one and two. That, that's still pretty exciting. Um, and we're concentrating on what we can do with um, the members of the CAFTA DR plus Panama and Colombia um, to see how we can continue to develop those markets where we do actually have free trade agreements, Central America, Dominican Republic, and then, like I said, Panama and Colombia. More proof that uh, pork industry is a global industry, and obviously the, the, what's raised here in Minnesota and the Midwest uh, could end up on dinner plates uh, all over the world. It, it certainly does, and not, not necessarily all the parts of it, but there's, there's value in, in, in the whole pig, and there are um, people in other countries that, that will pay well for parts of the pig that are less desirable for those of us in the United States. So... It, it is an exciting way to, to bring additional value up to right now around $61 per pig is um, value added due to our export markets. Thanks for joining us. Find other podcasts at lindyfarmnetwork.com and tune into your local LFN affiliate for the latest in farm news and market information.